0: Hello and welcome to the bestseller experiment, where we explore the inner game of writing and inspire you to start, finish, and publish your book. I'm Mark DeVoe, and this week I am treating you to the best of the bestseller experiment. I've delved through and handpicked my favorite shows of the 500 plus that we've done of bestselling authors who have collectively sold over 1 billion books. Who's it going to be this week? Here's a teaser.
1: In this episode... The goal of any creative person is to be authentic to yourself and your sensibilities, whether you're an actor or a dancer, singer, writer. I think that's the quest, is to stay honest. So I try to use that as a silver lining, that if there's a problem in your life, fear not, it could make a good story for you later on. One of the reasons I wanted to write the book was to be alone. Take myself out of the public eye and be at a cabin and just let your mind soar and your imagination and be filled with inspiration to write stories. So I did the narration for my own book. But again, I had difficulty because you say a line of dialogue or a sentence from your book, I go, no, 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 I I heard my. I don't like the way I said that word. I need to go back we could
0: ask Vince if he could create you the ultimate character for a new show, what would you love that
1: to be? You know, on the frontal lobe right now is Donald Trump, you know, because he's such a tragic Shakespearean character. Yeah. And he's comedic as well because of the tragedy of this man's soul. Well, if, if come the election, Brian,
0: if he does win, do you fancy an extended vacation to Vancouver? <laughs> I would definitely... Hello and welcome to the bestseller experiment where we look to write and publish a bestselling novel in just 52 weeks. My name's Mark DeVoe. And I'm Mark Stay. So on this week's show we have the one the only Brian Cranston. Walter White Breaking Bad Emmy Award winner Mark, give us
2: give us the full overview. <laughs> well, you know he's Oscar nominated uh, for playing Dalton Trumbo after nominated he's won Golden Globes and Tony's and Emmys uh of course i I first came across him watching Malcolm in the middle where he played the Dan Hal uh, I love Seinfeld he he uh crops up as the uh, the dentist Watley in Seinfeld, which is a brilliant, brilliant role, and of course he's career defining part as walter White in in breaking bad, but very few people know that he's also an accomplished writer. Uh, so he's in town publicising his memoir, A Life in Parts, an absolutely cracking read about part biography, part acting memoir, where he 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 takes you through his life and and all the different roles that he plays in his life as you know first as son and then student and then father and husband and you know and this incredible actor that we all know and love. Brian, welcome to the Best Seller Experiment podcast. Mark, how are you? I'm very good. And how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. Excellent. Good to be here. Now, we want to talk to Brian the writer today, not Brian the actor. Oh, Okay, if you could, that would be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you've, not many people know, well, they'll know it if they've read your book. You've, you've written a screenplay, and of course, you've written this book. This isn't just some ghost-written celebrity memoir. This is a passion project for you, is that right?
1: Yeah, these are stories uh, that I've been telling for a long time, a lot of them, from certainly the ones from my childhood. Um, And then as I go along, I I realize what makes a good story is conflict, um, any kind of type uh, of of occasion that you find yourself uh, in confusion or doubt or... uh, anything that's seemingly negative or goes a bad way is eventually going to make potentially make a good story so so i try to use that as a silver lining that if there's a problem in your life uh fear not it could make a good story for you later on and were there any particular challenges or surprises when you were writing this book um I can't really, I guess the, the biggest surprise was putting myself emotionally into that position again. Whenever I was writing a story that was particularly harrowing or fearful, um, I felt those feelings again. Because in order to truly translate what you're feeling emotionally to the written word, um I think you need to submerge yourself in it as opposed to looking objectively at it and saying, oh, he was afraid. I I wanted to feel it again and then to be able to convey that feeling. So Brian, before our interview, I just popped onto Amazon
0: and uh, I looked up your book, A Life in Parts, and it has a big word next to it that you may or may not know. It had the big word, bestseller. How does it feel to now be not just Emmy Award winner and you know Academy nominated Best Actor this year, but
1: best selling author is that a dream of yours? It it, it wasn't a dream. Uh, just like when I've won awards in the past, I I don't act to win awards, um, but they're always nice when someone acknowledges you. And so I didn't write the book to win an award. Um, I didn't write it to make money, although. I am being paid for it, but my agents would have to tell you how much I'm being paid for it. I don't really know. And um, uh, as far as being a bestseller, yeah, I I think it could mean, it could translate to me to mean that the book is resonating, that people are finding it and and recommending it because you can't get on a New York Times bestseller list uh, unless you've sold a lot of books. And that happens when people recommend it. In fact, I, I ask a lot of uh, people in the book publishing business what is the best way to sell a book, and they said always, it's recommendations. Yeah, when a friend that? says you got to read this book, mm. so yeah, yeah. very pleased. Now, as as an actor, you'll be used
2: to working in an ensemble with you know the rest of your cast and crew. Writing is a very solitary experience. Mm. How did you how were you able to cope with that? I
1: loved it. <laughs> I loved it. You see, if I was a writer full time, you're agonizing over being alone because that's your that's what you do um but my main profession is to be in the public eye is i'm I'm on stage or i'm on a film set, and there's a lot of people around and you go and promote movies and it's a lot of hubbub and a lot of social interaction and quite frankly um I was one of the reasons I wanted to write the book was to be able to still engage in creative endeavor and yet be alone. Take myself out of the public eye and be at a cabin or be at, you know, a, a beach house and just, just let your mind soar and your imagination and be filled with Inspiration to write, you know, stories. And, um, and that's what happened. So it was great for me. The other thing was it wasn't very intimidating because I wasn't writing from page one to page 275. Uh, it, it wasn't, um, writing a novel. I, I was writing short stories from my life. So I already knew the genesis of the story and I just needed to fill it out and put it down documented on paper. But of course, you have written a screenplay, mm-hmm. and
2: that's a very different experience in that you're accountable to you know, a director and producers, financiers, and the actors. Um, how was the experience? And that was a screenplay that you wrote from scratch, you know. So, how was the experience of that, and would you do it again
1: anytime soon? To write a book or a screenplay? screenplay. Oh, I know. I, I enjoy writing. I enjoy telling stories. So, whether you're acting or directing or writing, it's all related. It's all storytelling. Um, and it's the joy. It's the, my professional joy. And uh, I, I love doing it. So I want to experience all, all aspects of the storytelling process. Um, I've written a few screenplays. Okay. And, you know, it's very difficult to get them to a, to, to a point where they're being optioned and actually being made. Um, as I'm signing uh, at the at the bookstore today, I'm signing books, and I almost guarantee you. And some woman came up and said, had a screenplay under her arm, and said, "Can I leave you my screenplay?" <laughs> And I, you can't. You know. Oh, I mean, it's, Mark, it's, you'll have to put that one the way you've got then, eh?
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. sorry, man.
0: Yeah, yeah. Put the screenplay away, Mark. Yeah. Is that what this is? <laughs> <laughs> so, Brian, with the experience of, of of writing, have you ever been been inspired? Because you mentioned in the book, which I absolutely love, by the way, I just have to say I, I read it in, in two sittings, which I've got to say for me is pretty impressive because it usually takes me a long time to read anything. I was drawn in by some incredible, incredible stories. It made me laugh out loud. The chicken story was amazing. If, if, I really recommend people to read it just for that. And, but you also mentioned you know, a lot of very personal details about your life. And you talked about how your dad was a, a novelist, and he was always striving for this dream. Through that, have you, have you ever had a desire to write a novel now, having gone through the process of writing a life story?
1: Uh, I am intrigued by the notion of writing a novel. Uh, and at some point I'd like to take a crack at it to see, and again, like this book, I don't know if I'm really cut out for that. Um, for instance, I, I did, uh, the narration, an audible book, uh, Tim O'Brien's, the things they carried about a reluctant soldier in Vietnam. And it was a book that I wanted to read and, uh, I, but I never got around to it until i was offered the job of narrating the book and then i was able to read it and i was a little saddened by that experience because it told me that oh i don't permit myself the pleasure of simply reading a book but if it's work related yes you now have permission to go ahead and read it <laughs> and it was i was i was really disappointed that oh my my life has come to that that i'm so governed by the work and trying to take advantage of the opportunities that I've been afforded, uh, and grateful for, um, and so I did that. And I, I, it was not easy for me to do that. I also did the narration for my own book, but I, because I can't imagine some other actor no. saying my words, I, it was like uh, it seems odd. So I I did the narration for my own book. But again, I had difficulty because you say a line of dialogue or or a sentence from your book, I go, no, 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 I I heard my. I don't like the way I said that word. I need to go back. So it took me a long time to be able to get through it, much longer than a seasoned pro of doing narration would do. And out of that, I learned that I don't think I would do that again. I don't think I would do a narration of a book. Uh, again, because it was not an easy, convenient, simple thing for me to do. It was, I struggled a bit on it. And so I think there are others who can do it. So in that sense, to write a novel, it would be something I would like to try and see if it's, um, See if it if it works out. Well, you should subscribe to our podcast, Brian, because that's what we're
2: challenging people to do. Is to, we're trying to write a novel within a year, and we're in, trying to inspire other people to do it. We're getting people like yourself on who've written, and you know, so yeah, do sign up and so join. So
1: you, the two of you, are yeah. writing together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, how yeah. often how often do you
2: get together to, to... Well, uh, we have story meetings once a week uh-huh. over Skype, and then we'll be writing every day. We haven't. We we've been doing this for about six weeks now six weeks we have an out
0: car crash of an Good. idea yeah Good.
2: the thing is i've written before i've written a screenplay yeah. i've written a novel mark has never got beyond the twenty thousand word mark right so he's like yeah yes. anything's possible and yeah. i'm like this is this is really hard yeah <laughs> it's really hard, it's very hard. <laughs>
0: yeah i'm completely completely naive actually talking brian about your book as well we've actually got a short clip from your audiobook that we'd like to play now which is fascinating because it leads us into the question of the importance of character so we're just going to play that clip now
1: Early in the third season, we were doing a scene. My wife, Skylar, had kicked me out of the house, and I was missing my kids, yearning to be with my family again. So I made the decision to move myself back home. When we rehearsed, Skylar entered the house, and instinctively, I went to the baby. The director and writer of that episode said, no, 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 we can't have you go to the baby. I was to have direct contact with the baby in subsequent episodes, and they didn't want to cannibalize the coming storyline. That may be, I said, but it's not what my character would do. No matter my sins and transgressions, in my heart, I loved my children. I had been separated from my baby daughter. I was dying to see her. How could I just pretend she wasn't there? It wouldn't be true or honest. We talked it over and figured out a workable compromise. Just as I'm going to the baby, Skylar intercepts me. The desire of my character is still there. Skylar's desire to keep the baby away from me is upheld, a good solution, and a good example of how the process can work. Not everyone agrees all the time, but if everyone tries to stay true to their character and what's best for the story, while maintaining patience and respect, a path will emerge. Some actors come into work and wait to be told what to do. I think of my co-star in Barefoot in the Park who needed to be told that she should express affection toward the man with whom she is madly in love. I suppose those actors can do well, but I'm not that kind of actor. I have a finite time on earth. I am not interested in coasting through it. I want to be invested. An invested actor asks questions that may punch holes in the story or highlight contradictions in a character that writers may not have considered. Asking those questions might mean we have to rethink a beat in the script or redo the blocking. It might mean more work. And that might upset people momentarily. But in the end, I'd rather do more work and get it right and give the finished product a richness and resonance that will last.
0: So, Brian, that was such a fascinating clip. And in it, you talked about it's not what my character would do. And and this is a theme that I picked up in the book, actually. A lot of times you had these kind of clashes with the writers because you really felt strongly about being authentic and strange, true to your character. In, in in novels as well, that's obviously a huge thing. What what drives you to stay authentic to the character?
1: Well, I think that's the goal of any creative person is to be authentic to yourself and your sensibilities, whether you're an actor or a dancer, singer, writer. I think that's the quest is to stay honest um and it, you know it, i i wouldn't say that we had several clashes in in, in the six years that we did the show uh, there were probably three or four times that we had disagreements if you are um if you are invested in the storytelling process and you're with other people who are as well it's inevitable that you will at some point lock horns because everyone can't follow the same sensibility. You're going to disagree. And it can be done because you can disagree without becoming disagreeable. Um, so artistic frustration is not only expected, it's, it's anticipated and welcome, really. Because sometimes when you get into an artistic argument, you, you spot a problem and you then have to be hyper-focused on it to carve out what's at the root of that problem, and often the answer will come to the surface. And you, and without the argument, you could have glossed over it. If someone said, "Well, it, it doesn't bother me that much," we'll just leave it in. But if you argue a point, and and do it, you know, respectfully, you can come to find a better way to tell that beat. Or a more honest way to reveal something, it's actually a tremendous benefit to the artistic process. I hope you're listening, Mark, because this is this is going to be us in a this few is, weeks. You guys are arguing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, remember that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll do it as yeah. respectfully as possible. Yeah. Now, you, um, I respectfully am calling you a silly ass <laughs> for thinking that. You know, <laughs> respectfully.
2: Yeah. yeah. Respectfully. Uh, like you've you talk about part of your role as an actor is to take what's on the page and create a character. For us as writers, character is everything before plot. You know, If you don't have a yeah. compelling character, you really don't have anything. What do you look for in a compelling character? And, of course, you play possibly the most compelling character in television of all time, written by Vince Gilligan, who's a genius. So we're setting the bar pretty high. Um, but what do you look for in a character on the page?
1: i look for <clears throat> did this character have uh have resonance with me did did i feel for this and it doesn't mean that you have to excuse me <clears throat> it doesn't mean that you have to sympathize always uh or root for the character but is it, it did this character make a mark on you did it did it, did it make you feel or think um and that's that's imperative to it uh, i think of javert in les misérables where to me i think the strength of that character is that he's so noble and so righteous that it got in his way and what's what a wonderfully beautifully tragic character that is um With Walter White, you, you, you want to be able to, obviously at first, you're looking at it from an objective viewpoint because you don't have a relationship to it yet. And if it affects you from an objective viewpoint, you have to trust your instincts that it will then also affect a wider audience. From that point on, then you, you focus your attention on becoming subjective to the character that you want, you don't want to stay and stand in judgment of that character. You want to be inside the skin of that character so that you justify the actions. So when Walter White was going through, you know, killing people and things from my standpoint, I had already justified why this was necessary, why this in the long run was necessary, important, or it will improve conditions, maybe unfortunate immediately. But, something sometimes you have to live for that. I mean, that's, that's fascinating because
2: often, you know, as a screenwriter myself, you get notes, make this character more sympathetic, make them more likable.
1: And for me, that's often just the death of the death of drama. You know? Certainly when there's arbitrary comments like that, um, uh, I think, you know, since this is the subject matter of the podcast, I think it's, it's important then to reveal what, what I look for, when I choose a project and it's always the writing, there is no one element at all that is more important than the story. Um, so I look for my, uh, in fact, I have, you read the book. There's a, there's a, I, I use a cap system, which is a Cranston assessment of projects okay. system. And, <laughs> yeah, and, and right. I, uh, the first, the first item is story. And I separate the text from the story because sometimes you will hear a story and you'll go, oh, that's a fantastic story. And if you read the book or read the play or the screenplay, you could be disappointed because, oh, they just didn't get it. They didn't capture the essence of that story. Oh, it's too bad. So that's why my first thing is the story. Does it resonate? Is it important? What's the benefit to it? What, what are we really telling? Is it unique? Is it a different way to tell a love story? Is it, you know, what, what is it that's different about it? Then if I, if I like that, then I go to the, the actual text of it. Did this text support that story that I really like so much? If that's a yes, then I go to the character. Is the score is, is this character integral to that story? And so it has to go in that order. After that, then it goes to the director. Um, let me meet with the director, uh, a film director or a stage director, whatever, and talk to him or her and find out, are they collaborative? Do they get the same sense when they, when, that when they read it that I did when I read it? Yeah. And so you know if, if you're going in the same direction. There's nothing worse than assuming that's going to happen and you feel, oh, it's definitely going this way, and you get on the set or you commit to a play and the and the director's saying, Yes, that's right, it's going this way. Yeah. And you go, Oh my God, we're completely seeing this different visions. In different visions. Yeah. This is not gonna work.
0: Yeah. yeah. Whereas when you got Walter White, the pilot script you talk in the book about how you became almost all consumed by this character and you were dreaming about him and you knew him in inside out. We're hoping to get Vince Gilligan actually wrote about breaking bad on the podcast as well. If if we could ask Vince, if he could create you the ultimate character for a new show,
1: what would you love that to be? If he can create the ultimate character for me, you know, on the frontal lobe right now is Donald Trump,
2: you know, because he's
1: such a, a a tragic Shakespearean character, you know, he's, and he's comedic as well because of, of the tragedy of, of this man's soul um, the delusions that he has and the supreme narcissism, um, but a beautiful character. I mean, amazing character. And there will be in, in the States, there will be classes taught on this election period. Yeah. The, the, there'll be books written. There'll be movies made. I'm telling you there will be theatrical productions about Donald Trump because of the anomaly, uh, that he presented. Um, That being said, for me to play someone like Donald Trump, I would first need to have some time to calm down from him because I do have a judgment of him. And it's virtually impossible to play someone that you have a judgment on because then you're slanted. And again, you need to get I need to come at it from a place of neutrality so that I can build a character and justify what I say, what I do at all times. It's hard for me to imagine trying to justify what this man has said and done. So I don't know if it's actually possible for me to play the character, but it would be a challenge. Well, if, if come the election, Brian, if he
0: does win, do you fancy an extended vacation to Vancouver? <laughs> it wouldn't be a vacation.
1: I would, I, I'd be an expatriate. <laughs> uh, uh, come and join absolutely. me. Absolutely. Uh, I would, I would definitely move. um, uh, It's not real to me that that would happen. I, I I hope to God it won't.
0: No, we had a Freudian slip actually before this show when we were kind of looking at all the work you've done. Obviously, you played, uh, you know, Trumbo, and in one of our emails, uh, one of us said, uh, "Yeah, he played Donald Trump." Donald Trump. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. (laughs) Not not hard to do, but. um, I felt actually one of the most empowering things about your book is there were lots of beautiful life lessons that you dropped in in the kind of last paragraphs of a lot of the chapters and that really resonated deeply with me. And even in that clip, you said that part of the thing that drove you to be authentic to your character is I have a finite time on earth. I'm not interested in coasting through it. I'm really fascinated to find out how much of your passion and things that you follow are based on this real awareness of your mortality and how important it is to really live live each day almost as if it's your last?
1: Well, I, I actually don't think it's that difficult. We have reminders of it all the time. We we hear of people dropping dead, you know, from young people. Uh, you hear of tragedies like that. Um, I think a lot of people will feel that but they may not be in a position to 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 sense an opportunity to make change and that's unfortunate um you know i, I gave a speech once uh, i won an emmy award and and i wanted to say that you know i was a kid who go navigating through a challenging childhood um, i became kind of sneaky and duplicitous and looking for the shortcut um And I said, my family even nicknamed me sneaky Pete. And so, um, I said, and then I found something I really loved and devoted my professional life to it. And, and my, all my energies and intellect and body and soul. And, uh, it was something of a beautiful thing for me to find that. And so I said, um, it's not too late. It doesn't mean you have to enter into uh, whatever that is professionally um but if you remember what it was that gave you joy and love it could photography or or giving to a charity or being active in something um you can reintroduce yourself to that and enhance your life and so for all you sneaky peets out there mm-hmm. that's my wish for you is to you know reacquaint yourself with something that brought you joy and love in the past and um, then, it, unbeknownst to me, it became uh, a subject the next day from the president of Sony Television, who I have a, a production deal with, and said, there's a, there's a show here. Sneaky Pete's a show. And I said, what, what's the show? <laughs> they said, but what, you, you were a teenager when you were Sneaky Pete, but what if you didn't grow out of that and you were now 35 or 37, what would you be? And I said, I'd probably be a con man. Yeah, there's a show there. So I sat down with a with a really great writer, David Shore, and together we created a, a show called Sneaky Pete that is on Amazon starting in January. Awesome. yeah. and and so I think it, it's one of those <laughs> things because and now I, I, granted, I, I, I do have a platform. I, so while i'm I'm sending out that message of don't waste time, reintroduce yourself to something. And then something happened out of that that was completely by surprise. And I was like, "Okay, go for it. Why not?"
0: So Brian, we're coming to the end of this interview. I want to thank you so much for your time today, and it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. And we just want to wish you all the best in it with Sneaky Pete's. Obviously, everything, uh, all the best wishes in in the book, and and thank you so much for sharing. Your life story with us, you know, as fans are break huge fans are breaking bad, both of us. You brought us so much joy and it's been such a such a pleasure
1: to chat with you today. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Mark, Mark Squared. Thank, <laughs> thank you and thank you. you uh, appreciate <laughs> it. Thanks and good luck to all your listeners in, in, their, in their endeavors to create some really wonderful written works of art.
0: He's a dude, isn't he? He is, as they say <laughs> in British playgrounds now, a ledge. <laughs> He is a complete legend. You know, if there was actually a knighthood, if he was British, and you could give a knighthood for a, a dude or a gent, I think he would uh, yeah. probably be a, be one of those, wouldn't he? Such a lovely guy.
2: Well, he gave such considered answers. He, he it was thoughtful. He he took his time. It was uh, it was terrific. Dream dream interviewee.
0: Yeah, and only I think you know was it Graham Norton and Newsnight, and then us. So. yeah, <laughs> It's marvellous. What, what really stood out for you, Mark? Well, I'll tell you the first thing.
2: First thing, as a screenwriter... When he said, Oh, I've written a few screenplays, it's difficult to get them to a point where they're being optioned and actually being made. I thought, Oh, thank God, it's not just me. But
0: Brian you, Cranston can't get something made. <laughs> you, should be, you should be thoroughly depressed about that because you're thinking, if Brian Cranston can't.
2: Then... No, it's nice to know we're in the same boat, you yeah. know?
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. It's quite interesting because apparently he wrote a screenplay which he funded himself. He got his wife playing the, yeah. the lead in. And it was when he was actually kind of finishing that up that he got a call. From his agent and asking if he'd like to do a part in the X Files, I thought, oh, there's a great link there because obviously Gillian Anderson appeared in your film Robot Overlords, (laughs) and (laughs) I thought, oh, there you go, parallel universe. But interestingly, the the story goes is that he he was coming to the end of this self-funded film that he was he was making and running out of money, and he thought, oh yeah, I'll I'll do the X Files part. And it happens that the person, the director of that episode was Vince Gilligan, who was the very man who came up with the idea of Breaking Bad. And, it, it, and apparently Vince kind of almost wrote Walter White in Breaking Bad with Brian Cranston in mind and, and really yeah. pushed to get him as the main actor. So The, 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 the character he played in The X-Files was a, a bigot. He, he played this horrible
2: ghastly racist and he had this thing in his brain that if he didn't keep moving across the country his brain was going to explode and he would die and he said Cranston says in the book that you know the genius of the script was that by the end of it you're actually rooting for this guy because Mm. it'd be very easy to say oh he's just a bigot, let him die but then Duchovny's character Fox Mulder you know he's he realizes he's also a human being. And it's that great dilemma, you know, he's a human being. Do you just let him die or whatever? And he said Cranston was the only person who was able to humanize a monster, which is, of course, what happens in Breaking Bad. He humanizes a monster. Mm. The other little story about that that as well is um, Cranston was, he didn't have the full funding for his movie. And he wanted, you know, there was a part of him that wanted to hold out for more money, hold out for more money. But actually he got to a point where he said, screw it, let's do it. They made the film with less money than they wanted, but because of that, they finished just in time for him to get this role in the X Files. That if they waited another two or three weeks, he wouldn't have been available to do the X Files. He would not have met Vince Gilligan. He would not have played Walter White. And it's all these little things. I know, I know, I know. The human beings we create a narrative when we look back and join, make coincidences that aren't coincidences and stuff like that. But mm. you know, our thing, especially with Nano on 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 us as well is is if you don't start doing stuff now when are you going to start it If yeah. you don't start writing that
0: novel now when are you going to do it next week the week after yeah why not today do you know it's funny you know? i was coaching someone just this morning and and they said to me you know can you guarantee that you know if, if i were to do this i would i would i would get some form of success with it and i said to them i'll tell you what i can guarantee If you don't do it, there'll be a hundred percent chance of failure. (laughs) And, And it is that's the thing. It's it's about you see. There's a real great theme actually throughout his autobiography, and Brian is talking about all the different things that happened to him. But you do see how the stars align. But in every situation, he's putting himself in the mix. He's you know he's going to the audition. He's like even cheekily when he got the part of Walter White, he actually forced the decision. He, you know they actually chose him without an audition there apparently there were some big actors up for that part and because he was also being asked to potentially play another role he put to I think it was Sony uh, who, were, who were funding it um, that he had to make a decision by this certain Tuesday and if he didn't make that you know if he hadn't heard back from them he would have to choose this other part and it was a big risk on him because he may have not been able to get it but he wanted Walter White roles so badly but you know he made it happen he put himself in the pathway of opportunity and I think that's a really great lesson for every author out there. Absolutely, Brian Cranston talked about his auditioning process. Uh, and he said the thing that he
2: does, and again, there's a big lesson for writers here. When he went to the audition, he would, you know, prepare as you do. You learn the lines, you, you, you investigate the role. The thing that he did when he was starting out, and a lot of actors do when they start out, is they think, well, what do these people want to see? What are they looking for? I'll try and give them that. He said, no. He said, give them yourself. Be as strange and peculiar and idiosyncratic as you can be. You might not get the part, but you you will be remembered. Mm. If you do, if you, if you play it as honestly and straightforward as possible, you might be completely wrong, but there might be something about that that makes them sit up and pay attention. You know, and I think that's uh, we've we've talked before about writers finding their voice. And I think you know when you're like we said, you might start out, you might want to write like you know. Uh, Stephen King or Douglas Adams and try and write in that you know in that style but of course that style isn't you you are you so once you find that voice that peculiar strange voice that only you have then you are much not everyone's going to like it but it's you and no one else can do that and I think if you can do that then you're much more likely to stand out from the crowd
0: Blimey, Mark! You're going to nick my one-minute motivation. (laughs) You've been on the Red Bull tonight. (laughs) Sorry, mate. No, I no, but it's. I'll be back to cynical mode. Yeah, what's going on? You're you're transforming before my very eyes. What what would happen? You can't become the optimist. That's me. I love it.
2: The thing is, I've you know I started out wanting to act, and I used to do a lot of auditions, and I made that mistake. I would go in there thinking, "What are they looking for? I should try and give them that." And looking back, I wished I'd been more just me, yeah, you know, Yeah, um, and just given them me. He said it in the interview. He said, the goal of any creative person is to stay authentic to yourself and your sensibilities. Uh, it doesn't matter you can be
0: an actor, dancer, singer, writer. Stay honest, mm. you know. I also loved, we talked a lot, didn't we, about character with, with Brian, and I, I loved... When we were talking to him about um, who he would most like to play, if if Vince Gilligan was the kind of no, it was a dream reunion, which every Breaking Bad fan out there would just love to happen, but I loved the way that he talked about Trump and 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 gave, it gave that kind of actor's angle on it. But something we can learn as writers is he really understands and thinks about a person. He he can tell that he spent a lot of time. Thinking about Donald Trump as a character in the same way that he did about Walter White. I mean, he did become obsessed with him when he first read the pilot for Breaking Bad. He yeah. became so obsessed with his character, he couldn't think about anything else. And I think, in some ways, an actor's view on a character is often different from an author's view on a character. Because as an author, we separate ourselves often as we are the author with a narrator and we're forming this character as if we're playing with this piece of piece of clay in our hands and making character whereas an actor has to become the piece of clay and he and brian actually said that he said story he always looks for story first which is interesting because we always talk about in in book writing it's all about character first but from an actor's perspective it is about story because they then create the character right character and story are very closely intertwined and if you look at i think it's a good
2: exercise for any writer to look at characters like like trump and then try and imagine them in their quieter moments, you know, when he goes home at the end of the day, when yeah. just before he goes to sleep, when he's having a
0: pee. Just <laughs> ask yourself. Well, I don't really want to what? imagine that personally, but.
2: Uh... But you have to. You That's the thing, you don't, but you have to. Yeah. You talked about getting under the skin yes. of the character. Uh, particularly, I mean, you know, a lot of actors will tell you they love playing villains. Because you are shedding your own skin, which might be an altruistic kind of person that you are uh and you can become this evil bastard for a few minutes, you know on stage and and there's a vicarious thrill in doing that and being the villain and being the bad guy and and just- just for a moment imagining what that that's like and I think if you're a writer, if you're playing your villain, it's very easy to. Make your villain a, a pantomime villain, you know, mm. or, or a, a, a trope or a cliche. But if you can give them some wrinkles and folds and make them a bit more interesting, find the trope and turn it on its head. Get under the skin. And, you know, if you're writing characters, I think that's that's kind of essential. Absolutely.
0: And I, I think that uh, when you look at, you know, the anti-trope, uh, you look at Breaking Bad. And when we talk about characters, I mean, obviously, Walter White, just an incredible character but on top of on top of him as a as a as a part the thing that i loved and it is my favorite tv show ever so if you haven't seen breaking <laughs> bad i struggled getting through episode two on season one because there's something that was really quite grim that happens but if you can get past that do it because once i got past it i was hooked and you kind of meet two different types of people in the world you meet those who have watched breaking bad and those that haven't (laughs) those that have yet to watch those (laughs) have yet to watch it you have to see it but the thing that i love about that show from a character perspective is i don't think i've ever seen a show or film even that had such strong characters there almost wasn't a single character that was was carried along in that that each one of them was so brilliantly developed and obviously you know mr cranston it he, he was so crucial obviously what he did but it was also the play between him and, and Jesse Pinkman you know his his kind of sidekick in some ways and it just reminds me as, as a writer it's so important to spend that time developing the character because that's what they do on these TV shows they don't just come up with a name and start rolling with it no. I mean, it's a collaboration between the actors the writers, there's arguments on set about what they should or shouldn't do which is authentic to the character as, as Brian said so yeah. you, you watch Breaking Bad did you mark? You've seen it? Oh, I
2: love Breaking Bad, and one of the things I loved about it the most was that there were consequences. So, if if uh, someone was, say, shot in the leg, that may or may not be a spoiler. They are still limping six seasons on or whatever. You know, it's mm. uh, it's not like your your regular cop show where a guy gets shot in the leg and next week he's he's fine. Yeah, you know every every action has a consequence, and once you realize that. Then the smallest things done by characters can have the most enormous consequences, and it, it was just gripping TV. It was a classic example of I'd go, oh, I just watch one, <laughs> and then three hours later, yeah, you know, because you can't, you can't. I'm not into binge watching. I don't. No, I, I don't either. can't do of thing. I can't. But, do it, I, but... I, this was
0: one where I would watch two or three. Yeah, and uh, I, I was the same. If anyone is thinking of writing any book, I would say. Watch Breaking Bad once and then watch it a second time to actually study the characters, study the twists. There's so many things that we can learn um, from, from that piece of writing. I really don't know if there'll ever be a TV show that will, will top it, to be honest.
2: It's, it's redefined what TV can do and what TV can be. And, and you, 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 know, you see shows that have come in its wake that uh, are following a similar kind of format and this is why we're living in a golden age of tv now this is why movies are about comic book characters now but uh, tv drama is about characters of real depth
0: mm. and complexities that have you hooked week after week yeah absolutely and going back to the interview i mean brian talked a lot about this authenticity and he said if you've invested in the storytelling process and you're in with other people who are as well, it's inevitable that you're going to lock horns at some point. Now, you know, in some ways that's also the relationship between the writer and the editor. Uh, in our case, it's probably going to be, well, it will be between the two writers of a book. Um, well, it won't be because I'll always be right. <laughs> so, let's, let's just make that clear from the very start. I, I, <laughs> I was going to make a reference about trumping me, but it's probably not very a uh, very <laughs> very good use of that word right now but um and I think actually that also happens internally individually in in each each writer's mind because there's the writer who's wanting to just write what they know and feel they should write, and then there's the other you know the kind of professional writer who's thinking but what should I be writing for the market for the audience so there's almost like this kind of schizophrenic character inside everyone's heads and uh, there's
2: also the thing that you know you'll be writing and, and certainly on that first draft you'll be thinking oh god this is terrible Yeah, why am I even doing this and we all get it every writer I speak to has the same thing where they get to a point where they think I I just can't I, I'm not a writer I can't do this you know and that you have to have the other voice say no well you know This is a bit crap to start with, but you have to keep going. It
0: can only get better. It can only get better. Absolutely. Now, Mark and I are going to do a little bit of a a DVD extra, as it were, which you can get if you're part of the mailing list. So if you want to kind of really delve a bit deeper with us about things we can learn from Breaking Bad as authors, and you're a big Breaking Bad fan, then pop over to the website. And shortly after this interview goes live, we'll put up another short little extra that you can only get if you're on the bestseller experiment mailing list just generally talking about brian cranston's book as well a life in parts it's a really cleverly written book because as Mm -hmm. an autobiography he uses the beginning of each chapter as a different role that he's played in his life Mm -hmm. and it's very cleverly done it's chronological but some of the stories that that he tells in that book are quite incredible very difficult you know upbringing in this family Um, but he always knew he always knew that he was destined to follow his dreams and passion and i think you know as a writer if you're if you're you know want to be inspired it's definitely a good book to read i came out feeling massively inspired by it because of a lot of the life lessons that he he also talked about what what did you what did you really pull from that mark in terms of this idea of like following your passion well, the, he said a thing about
2: um, it's never too late to reacquaint yourself with something that brought you love and joy in the past. You know, so if you're someone who loved writing in childhood and you've come away from it and you think, "Oh, I'd love to do that," but it's too late, it's never too late. It, I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight. You're not going to suddenly be, you know, Dalton Trumbo overnight, but. If you start writing, you, again, you're you're going off on that journey, and uh, you're much more likely to to succeed. So I think you know, find that thing that you're passionate about that you love,
0: and and have a go at it. And I, I think that's uh, that's something we can definitely take to the bank. Oh, you know? well, completely. Well, you know, he also talked about having a dream in the book, and he talked about that his dad always had another screenplay or a novel on the go, and. The thing about his dad was he kept his dream alive and then Brian said, and I quote, he said to achieve a dream would be great but what is more important was to have a dream. That's where hope comes from. He said the mistake that his dad made was that his father wanted to be
2: a star. And he said the gulf between being a jobbing actor and being a star was so vast that he was always focused on that unthinkable thing on the distance rather than being in the moment. And because he didn't focus on his craft and working as an improving himself as an actor, he never became a star. And Brian said that 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 what he did, he he was never interested in that. He loved the work, and this comes back to what we say about you know the, sitting at the chair and writing, and you know even when it's hard, even when it's difficult, when you're not in the mood, you can't sit there thinking about winning the Booker Prize. You know, you've got to do the grind you know you've got to focus on that and then once at, at the end of the the day you know when you've done that then have your little daydream about you know <laughs> topping the new york times bestseller chart. yeah or absolutely so you know treat yourself make it a carrot on a stick or whatever but i think if you it's it's very good having a dream but you've also got to live in the here and now i think you've got to do you got to
0: tap those keys and get those words up. Yeah, absolutely. And he, he actually mentioned the book as well, you know, on the kind of theme of letting go. And he said, and it's relevant to writers as he said, you know, at its heart, there is an element of mystery to any craft that takes you inward, writing, meditation, yoga. Ultimately, it's about letting go. And what this is challenging all of us to do as writers, not just me and Mark, but everyone is, is this idea of how do you let go of outcomes how do you become unattached to outcomes and in your craft let go inwardly so that you just become that writer that you know you already are you know it's the blocks that are actually stopping you from becoming that writer Mm. i mean i i'm enjoying just working with you and putting this story together and the
2: problem solving and the characters that we're coming up with, that for me is is job enough. I'm uh, good enough. You know, I'm I'm enjoying that day-to-day process. And if we can get something like a bestseller out of it, and that's the cherry on the cake.
0: Absolutely. But if,
2: yeah. if you can't enjoy the, the daily grind, um, then it's going to be a bit more difficult. But I'm having real fun doing this. So. Yeah.
0: It's all about the journey, not the destination. But we're very much on the inter, You know, we're on the inside right now, developing characters.
2: Yeah, I mean, um, there's,
0: there's no point in thinking about the
2: marketing because we got to uh, finish the bloody thing. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Absolutely. But, I mean, like we said, we've you know we've we've spoken to people like Vix in the first episode who, who said very wisely, consider the reader. Consider who's going to read this book, and we have, and that helped us come up with the idea. But now we're in the middle of the story it's becoming its own thing and it's it's evolving it's becoming fun uh it's it's weird you're juggling so many things and ideas it can be a bit overwhelming but i think you know it's
0: uh, it has to be a fun struggle so if you want to carry on this conversation with us we're going to do a little bonus feature on the website so pop along to bestsellerexperiment.com let's move on mark because we have a question of the week this week and it's it's really aptly about character as well We'd like to thank Patricia Huntley on the west coast of Canada uh, for asking this question. And she asked, is it easier to write a dramatic or comedic character? And Mark, I believe you've actually written both those. So what would be your take on that? Um, I think it was
2: the actor Edmund Keane, the old Shakespearean actor. Apparently his last words were, dying is easy, comedy is hard. (laughs) Wow. And he's not wrong. You know, it's uh, started out with running a a theater company with my wife. uh, And that's how I started writing plays. And I fancied myself as a comic writer, you know, and um, you soon find out if something's funny or not in front of an audience. (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, because if they don't laugh, it ain't funny. And, you know, I try to inject them with pathos as well and, and have some serious drama in those stories too. It's not the same, but they have the same kind of root. There's that tragedy can be actually quite funny, mm. you know, uh, and also humorous stuff can be quite sad. You know, you'd see someone fall flat on their face. It's funny for everyone
0: except the person who falls flat on their face. So you've got the case of you know with Brian Cranston, obviously he played quite a comedic actor in Malcolm in the Middle as the dad, yeah, and yet Walter White was a very dramatic character, but there were elements. All the way through Breaking Bad, where there were laugh-out-loud moments. Yes, yeah, it's, it's a very funny show. So you don't have to think about writing a character as comedic. You write a character and create comedic moments for that character, depending on you know how you dramatise them. So, Yeah, uh, I mean,
2: the best... I mean, you look at um, Steptoe and Son. Mm. Okay, one of the funniest, uh, which became... If you're in America, uh, it was remade as Sanford and Son. Uh, which is tragedy of shakespearean proportions okay Mm. you've got the son who's desperate to escape his overbearing father and you know it's never gonna happen it's never gonna happen uh and that's because you watch it with you know through through your fingers you know covering your eyes going oh don't do it again don't fall for it again you know but it was incredibly funny as well
0: excellent stuff if you have a question yourself please do get along to the website bestsellerexperiment.com and you can click on the contact us Uh, link and you can send us your question there and we'd love to feature your question in a future show just to say dan spencer sent us a question last week about the average word
2: count of bestsellers i I do some digging and i've put something on the facebook page Now, there's no conclusive link between word count and being a bestseller but what's really interesting is that on average books are getting shorter Ah. (laughs) Look, he's he's found some research that looks at the the bestsellers from like the 1960s through the 80s to now. And books, on average, have been progressively getting shorter and shorter. I don't know what that says about our attention span. And you said
0: there's a link on uh, Facebook to our research. Excellent. check it out. Fantastic stuff. So just before we finish up, um, we're just going to have a quick motivational minute. Because there was something very important which... Brian talked about, and as I mentioned in the interview, a lot of the end of the chapters of the book in in his autobiography ended on a bit of a life lesson, and I did pick up a bit of a theme with regards to this idea of having a finite time on Earth. In fact, those are the very words that he used. And there was a. a, If you want to read the book, there's some brilliant references to where he became very reflective about, you know, what it is to be alive and why we need to follow our passion and follow our dreams. And really, for me, when we stand back from all of this experiment we stand back every day when when you know you sit down to write the one thing that we should really be bringing ourselves back to is the reason why we've showed up here and i believe that every single person on this planet has been given some incredible talents and it's our duty almost it's not really a choice you know writing chooses us music chooses us and if you feel that this is your passion, that this is your dream, that you came here to write and to change people's lives through your words, then each morning do what Brian Cranston does, do what Steve Jobs always did. And that is get in touch with the fact that this is another day in your life. This is a day which you can either spend or you can potentially waste. And when we look at our lives it's made up of the days you know each one of our books is made up of each word on the page so make it happen you know if you're sitting on the fence and you're thinking i'm not worthy and you've got this big self-sabotage voice tell it to be quiet for the next 52 weeks and just start writing because it was what you were born to do and it's why you're here unless of course
2: you're writing dinosaur porn in which case you really need to need to take a long hard look at yourself (laughs)
0: I can always trust on you, Mark, to bring us back down to earth. (laughs) Seriously, it's
2: on Amazon. Dinosaur porn?
0: Are you serious? I won't put that on the Facebook page. Oh my (laughs) goodness me. Now, now you've got me curious. Now, I don't even want to know, to be honest. What kind no, Okay, question for our listeners here. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you my entire back catalogue of music that I've written for Urban Myth Club on uh, MP3 to the best suggestion of, of the, what a, a dinosaur porn name should be. And it has to end <laughs> in Russ, okay? So, everyone, get to the website. What's supposed to have a thing? I want to know, the, and I'll personally choose the funniest one Dongosaurus Rex. <laughs> This episode has been rated explicit by iTunes. Oh.
2: <laughs>
0: anyway, we better talk about our experiences with Scrivener this week, because we, I discovered something incredible, which I didn't know about Scrivener. Obviously, Scrivener is the official writing app of the bestseller experiment, and we want to thank Scrivener for sponsoring this show. Um, but Mark and I are writing our novel on Scrivener, and Mark is mr mac and i'm mr pc so we have the most incompatible systems ever and um (laughs) you you actually pulled together as you discussed last week like a lot of the notes and things that we're we're, we've, we've drawn everything to a central place and you sent me the scrivener file and what was incredible is i opened it on my pc without Any conflicts, I saw exactly what you'd done. And there are very few programs out in the world where you can just share stuff between Mac and PC. That was quite incredible. So they... They've thought it through, and they've talked about how some people, you know, as a writer, if you have a Mac and a PC, that can be restrictive, But it works. It actually works. It blew me away when I found that out, Mark.
2: With Scrivener, it's all the same, all, all built yeah. on the same platform, I think. So uh, it's, uh, as someone said on Twitter just
0: the other day, it's MacTastic. It's MacTastic, Mac-tastic and also, And also, think about this from a perspective. Obviously, Mark and I are writing a book together, so if you're co-authoring a book... That, that means there's no limitations in terms of using the software with each other. But for if you're writing a book by yourself, it's very important to remember that it still is a collaborative process because you will be getting potentially an editor involved. And if that editor is on a Mac and you're on a PC or vice versa, you can still work and share the same file. So if you haven't checked it out, they've got a 30-day free trial, uh, especially yeah. in this month of NaNoWriMo get onto uh, the latteandliterature.com website and download your free trial of Scrivener. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Bestseller Experiment. We hope you've enjoyed this interview as much as we have. Remember to get to the website if you'd like to get the breaking bad special on what to learn from as an author from Breaking Bad. And also we've created a rather fabulous little document for nano if you want to have 25, actually it's 30 ways in 30 days to inspire yourself to write those 50,000 words, then get over to our website as well and download that special that we've got for this month.
2: And don't forget, the Vault of Gold gets bigger every week. This week, there'll be added wisdom from Mr. Brian Cranston himself. I was just saying to Mark before we start recording, I'm looking at the list of authors on, on on this, and it's just incredible. It's gone from being something a few thousand words long to being genuinely this Vault of Gold, you know? <laughs> it's, uh, it's beyond wildest dreams kind of stuff. Absolutely. So it's, uh, yeah, get on the main list, get your free
0: copy, update it every week, and wallow in its goldness and we have promised that it will be free but it might not be after this uh, bestseller experiment has come to so So do get over and get your copy now and we should also mention that we have a rather special guest coming on the show next week mark
2: yeah i managed to get some time in the back of a car with michael connelly
0: <laughs> i don't think you should that's talk about that to be honest that's all i'm gonna say michael connelly i know unbelievable so
2: <laughs> tune in subscribe tune in download next week. Rate and review as well, guys. Thank you to everyone who's left a review on iTunes and a rating. Share us with all your writer friends. We're on Facebook, on X- Bestseller Experiment. We're on Twitter, at XP. We're on Pinterest. We're on Instagram. Uh, so come and say hi. Keep the conversation going.
0: Fantastic stuff. So until next week's, folks, it's uh, goodbye from Mark. One. And it's goodbye from Mark, Two. <laughs> goodbye.
2: <laughs> Bye.